Tonight, President Trump delivered his fourth State of the Union address, and you can tell it sweeps because this show had it all. The tearful reunion reminiscent of countless YouTube videos, the Lifetime Achievement Award that evoked the Academy Awards, which included the performance of a lifetime from Rush Limbaugh, who pretended to be surprised, and the kind of blatant backstabbing that can only be found on Real Housewives. At the start of the State of the Union, President Trump refused the extended hand of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. It was particularly painful for her because it came immediately after Vice President Pence had put out his hand and at the last second pulled it away with a psych. Nancy Pelosi looked alternatingly like someone who was catching up in her scrapbooking and also someone having a terrible night of speed dating, which it kind of was. And finally... During the State of the Union address, President Trump presented a future where Americans will one day land on Mars, while Democrats propose a future where one day they will be able to count votes. The Trump Report starts now. (laughs) I'm Maria Menounos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Welcome to the Trump Report. Yes, except no substitute. Special uh, tip of the hat to my friend, comedian Tom Kelly who uh, inspired the final joke there. And uh, even when I realized he had told a similar joke, I couldn't pull back because it made me laugh too much. I'm Christian Black. This is the Trump Report. Live post-State of the Union. Post-Iowa caucus, sort of. It's still going on. it'll, It'll never really leave us. But joined, as so often, by the one, the only, Chelsea Galicia. Well, hello. And making his triumphant return to the uh, Trump Report, the one and only Mr. Drexel Hurd, BBC and NPR political analyst and the executive director of L.A. County Democratic Party, that being Mr. Drexel Hurd. <laughs> and then down at the other end of the desk, uh, KNBC TV legal analyst Royal Oaks. Good to see you as well. A pleasure. Uh, and uh, what, you have a new podcast. We can mention it again later, but let's Thank get it so out much. of the way right at the top uh, of this the show. The podcast is called Too Many Lawyers, but there's a catch. Two is... I like how he looked right at me when he said that. <laughs> well, no, you're not one of the Too Many Lawyers. It's TWO Many Lawyers, because my son Connor Oaks and I are the co-hosts. We're both lawyers, and we're talking about uh, legalization of... Uh, all drugs. Buttigieg wants to legalize uh, meth and heroin. We're going to talk on our next show about what wine would pair well with heroin, so you don't Ooh. want to miss that. Too many lawyers. Wherever you see fine podcasts. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's obviously a cab, but that's up to you yeah. guys to decide. I don't <laughs> want to ruin the show for anyone. Uh, so, you know, we do something time to time here on the Trump Report, as uh, Chelsea would know. Uh, we like to uh, sometimes highlight good week, bad week. I'm going to say good week, Donald Trump. Great week, Donald Trump. Bad week, Democrats. Not looking so good. Why uh, is it all Democrats? Why isn't it just Iowa? Uh, well, because you can extend it out to the uh, the impeachment. That's not, That's on, not going not, well tomorrow. But it's not because the Democrats did a bad they, job. That, well, they didn't. Uh, you know, were they successful? But that. Listen, right. there are some times... you measure success. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the, the measure of success will be in November, you know, because you you did you unsuccessfully removed him from office, and then if you're also unsuccessful in removing him from office the old-fashioned way, well, I guess the old-fashioned way is uh, Archduke Ferdinand, but you know what I mean. Sort of, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, uh, the civilized way at the ballot box or the app that doesn't work on your phone, that, that being the way. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I see it as a, as a success, the uh, impeachment, uh, because, and, you know, it seemed like Nancy Pelosi didn't actually want to do it. 
Um, Royal, as our visiting uh, legal uh, expert, obviously we have our in-house in-house counsel. But I wanted. Am to... Am I the outhouse counsel? <laughs> yes, I believe you are. Uh, just, uh, and we'll talk about State of the Union in Iowa. But I did want to uh, start off just very briefly your thoughts on this approach to impeachment, and was there a way? That it could have worked, or were the, was the deck always going to be stacked against the Democrats and yeah, he was never going to be removed from office? So, short of a Watergate style smoking gun, oh my God, he killed somebody or he authorized a burglary or something, of course they were never going to get 20 Republicans to join the 47 Democrats yeah. to equal 67, two thirds to kick him out. But you put your finger on it, I think, Christian, when you said, you know, was it a success in that November? That's when the, the decision will be made. And that's the whole ballgame. This was not an issue of whether he would be kicked out. He was never going to lose. Yes, there was a question of whether it would be extended by weeks and many witnesses, and the Democrats lost that, but in a way, maybe they won, because they definitely got their point across about the abuse of power and the uh, obstruction of justice. And they also now can run on the argument that this was a cover-up. Mitch McConnell, you know, game, set, Mitch, uh, <laughs> he would not permit witnesses. What kind of a trial do you have without witnesses? So they've got that arrow in their quiver along with the substantive arguments against Donald Trump. So, yeah, I think you're right. We won't know till November who won. But just on paper, darn good week for the president because of the outcome of the, of the impeachment deal and plus the speech. Question for you. When you said that they got their point across about the abuse of power, right. who do you think that they got their point across to? Anybody that wasn't already thinking that he abused his power? I guess we have to assume that there are millions of Americans who are not political junkies. They are not wedded to one side or another, but they are the great middle that kind of they shift with the wind and they decide elections because, I mean, what was Hillary beating, what, 63 million to 60 million? Pretty darn close. So I think the question of whether the great middle was persuaded by Adam Schiff, I mean, a tremendously skillful prosecutor, he used to be a prosecutor. On the other hand, the Republicans had some really sharp lawyers, just from a lawyering standpoint, in terms of oral argument. That guy, Patrick Philbin from the, the White House Counsel's Office, a brilliant guy. So I think they both put their best foot forward, but there's no doubt that the American public has been drenched, immersed into this soup of obstruction of justice and abuse of power. They know exactly where the Democrats are coming from in terms of you withheld money from Ukraine for personal political benefit. Now, there's the business of, about what whether Biden was involved uh, improperly as well. But definitely, that has been teed up. And if the American public, if they say, yeah, in addition to the fact that we don't really like Donald Trump, we don't like somebody that calls himself a very stable genius, who does that? In addition, we have our doubts as to you know, whether the impeachment maybe was proper. Half the country, according to Gallup, said that uh, impeachment was proper. So yeah, we're just going to have to wait till November. Uh, and we'll uh, move on from this in a moment, but you're talking about the legal team. And uh, this was a point that I made last week. You're uh, Dershowitz fan? Well, that, oh. the, the, well that, yeah, <laughs> the question being, if you're the president of the United States and even if you have a parking ticket, do you want the guy who's represented Klaus von Bülow and O.J. Simpson? Do you want him anywhere near your case? Yeah, and Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Maher called his clients uh, flabby, grabby, and stabby. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was a problem. He carried baggage, but he also is a brilliant constitutional uh, lawyer. Of course, he or a overreached. Brilliant actor. Well, he overreached, and even the Republicans called some of his ideas radical. Ken Starr was brought in. I mean, yeah. you know, why not bring in Clara Bow from the 20s? So, the bottom line is uh, Trump thought 
it was a TV event, and he brought in TV-savvy folks like Dershowitz and Ken Starr. I don't know how much it helped to have those. They were like cameo players, mainly. The heavy lifting was done by Jay Sekulow and, sure. and the other White House counsel. But if only Johnny Cochran were still with us. I know. That, that would have been the real show. Uh, Johnny, Drexel, we hardly because knew you. Because you haven't uh, been here in a while, uh, it was pre-impeachment the last time you were here. <laughs> uh, just sort of uh, your thoughts, and I know that the vote isn't until tomorrow, but just look basically at this point we're looking back on it uh what do you think from the democrats point of view you know from their role do you think there's anything they could have done differently and do you consider it a success or is the the verdict out on that i think that part of the the strategy i'm going to start with the second part of that question because i think part of the strategy that democrats probably should have deployed the most was educating the american public on how the process worked and I don't think that the American public actually understood, um, based on the Republican arguments, by saying this is an improper uh, process, uh, by saying, hey, the witnesses, they should have called ho- witnesses in the House. Uh, but to the American pu- public, uh, you know, not a political junkie, somebody wouldn't realize that trials are in the Senate and the House acts as the grand jury. And the House Democrats probably should have drilled that into the American public's head that this is, and, and they tried but unsuccessfully kind of framing this narrative that, you know, this is where witnesses actually are. And the reason why we didn't get witnesses was because of obstruction, obstruction of justice. And that was not made apparent throughout the, the, the over, over the, over the few days for Republicans to come back and say, well, why are they asking for more witnesses? We're not asking for more witnesses. We're actually asking for the witnesses that, we subpoenaed and refused to testify in front of the house. And that should have been the argument. Uh, So I I guess the, uh, the surprise for me as it relates to the state of the union is that uh, I, I, you have to imagine that uh, president Trump was uh, severely tempted to mention it, but uh, he did not. Uh, is is anyone here surprised that? Because I'm surprised he didn't mention. It. Is that, did anyone else expect him to say something, even if it was, you know, if he didn't spend that much time on it, or did everyone here actually just figure that uh, he would take the high road for not the first time in his presidency, but the first time in possibly his life? The uh, idea of the president taking the high road is is <laughs> very strange, and yet I think what happened here is that whereas 99% of the time he's able to speak off the cuff and say pretty much what he wants, even if it's a semi-formal situation and he's got a transcript here, I think it was one of those rare cases where he was not about to really depart from the teleprompter. I imagine that there were very few lines in that speech, and whereas he, I'm sure, was sorely tempted to gloat in some way that he thought might be presidential, the, the speechwriters, I'm sure, told him, ixnay on the gloating. Uh, you know, it's not quite in the books yet. It's not going to look right. You want to look presidential. And I think he did look presidential. He, you know, starting with Ronald Reagan, you know, thanking people, bringing guests into the chambers, uh, you know, families of, of, of killed sol- uh, sure. uh, soldiers. It, it was a very smooth presentation uh, to the point where Nancy was so... Uh, Mad she ripped up the papers. Oh, interesting take on a, why a, she did yes, that. Right. Well, uh, there's a couple of reasons why she might have done it. But uh, uh, let, yeah, just, your thought, uh, Drexel. First of all, listen, the theatrics of this president. Listen, every president has brought in people into the gallery. Sure. What they haven't done is try to distract the American public from the the, the fact that there were zero policies of moving forward in this particular speech. There were a lot of, and I know we're going to talk about the State of the Union here in a second, but there were, there were, there were far too many reality television 
uh, moments in this State of the Union um, when uh, to distract us from the reality of the failed policies of the Republican Party and this president. So that's based, you know, and what we've seen this Donald Trump as the reality show person over the past 20 years. That's what we got in tonight because that's what he knows. Oh, and yeah, what he I mean, knows is that he needs to distract the public from the fact that he's got policies that, you know, where I'm spending trillions of dollars on a space force is unnecessary. And you and I both love uh, Star Trek Picard, but I don't think we need to be spending that money on building a space force when we've got American families that are still hurting. So I think that that is the problem with a th- with theatrics like bringing in Rush Limbaugh and putting on the Presidential Medal oh of Freedom God, on him. Oh my God, that was beyond theatrics. It is... Those are the times where... If President Obama had done that in the middle of the State of the Union, I mean... Wait, the, sorry. The, if President Obama the, had presented Rush Limbaugh with the Well, you know what? You would have, here's the thing. You would have thought that... And, and tonight, and you would have thought that the president... This was a um, an election of Barack Obama versus Donald Trump. The amount of times that Donald Trump brought up Barack Obama has not gotten over the fact that the American people love Barack Obama more than they love Donald Trump, and he is still not over that. Well, they the love the, Oba- t- the Ebola virus more than Donald Trump. Well, I mean, and that's not what what I'm saying is is that the the fact that three years later into this presidency, this president cannot seem to turn the attention well, away well, from the Barack most Obama. recent polling shows him at 50 percent, whereas at this time Obama was at 46. So I'm surprised he didn't mention I'm that. Surprised he didn't mention that. Uh, you know, and then the other thing, of course, we know he hasn't gotten over is uh, the popular vote. You know, in 2016, <laughs> right. he'll always mention that right. uh, he doesn't feel like the the counting was accurate there because there's no way he could have possibly uh, lost that uh, because it's come up. And yes, I I did make a joke about it at the top of the show. Uh, I think that the announcement of uh, Rush Limbaugh's terminal cancer, I think that... I don't think it's terminal. It's advanced, it's advanced. stage four lung cancer. He didn't that's refer fair. to it as terminal. Yeah, that's true. He didn't use that word. Uh, but the uh, there have been some reactions to it uh, in the media, or on social media in particular, that you would, of course, uh, not be surprised. Some of them, it's more like, you know, about policy, you know, about like... You know, something about like healthcare that you're going to use now that you didn't support that sort of thing. But then a lot of it, uh, you can see that uh, people were, uh, you know, look when you're when you're any kind of divisive public figure, oh, yeah. you have to expect that. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I, that's not necessarily the way I looked at it. Uh, I, but if I knew this afternoon from looking at the Drudge Report that he was going to get the Presidential Medal of Freedom, he had to know. There's no way he was surprised. Why did he pretend to be so surprised? He can be moved by it. That part I don't doubt. But I was just like, what is this? And I know this isn't hardly the biggest takeaway from it. But for me, that was I was just like, come on. Who's he fooling? He's competing right. with Alan Dershowitz for actor of the year. Yeah, maybe, guess, maybe he right. felt it you know, would look bad, like he didn't appreciate it if He's he, like, did, oh, if yeah. he didn't exude. But, yeah. I mean, it, it's hard for people to be magnanimous about somebody they think is despicable when that person you know, is getting bad news. I want to go back for a second, Christian, to something Chelsea said. because she, she called me correctly on a mistake I made. I suggested that Nancy tore up her speech because she said to herself, Doggone it, that was a wonderful speech. I admit it. Uh, Donald Trump did great. I'm so mad I'm going to tear it up. You're right. But I, I will say this. I felt like we should have a football announcer saying, welcome to the anger management bowl, <laughs> because when the night starts and the guy won't even shake Nancy's hand and the night ends with her tearing up 
His yeah. speech, to me, it's kind of petty for both sides. I mean, can't they, you know, take it to a higher level? Do we have to have the anger at the beginning and the end? I mean, I don't know that she should have taken the bait. She had plenty of opportunities to blast him. But ripping up the speech, I mean, I think maybe that was overboard. I'm with you on the pettiness, but I see it sort of both sides, of course. But I, I don't expect anything better from Trump. I was... It was interesting to see that from Nancy Pelosi, who seemed during the middle of the speech to be like, you know, scolding people in the back who I think she was perhaps scolding people that were leaving. I saw on Twitter oh, some people yeah. um, said, I walked out in the middle of the speech, couldn't take the lies and all that anymore. And I wasn't going to dignify She should have just longer. spoken into her cuff like the Secret Service guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. There was a lot of times where she was talking and, and, and you know, sometimes <laughs> it seemed like the she, yeah, she was like pointing to, <laughs> yeah. to you know, her. Uh, you know, people, I, yeah. and that's consistent with what Speaker Pelosi has done every time somebody steps out of line in her chamber. Not yeah. a great you look, know. though. And and listen, she controls the chamber. It's her house. She can do whatever she wants to. But the reality is, you know, and, and her statement after that was, you know, somebody asked her, like, you know, why would you rip up the speech? She said it was the courteous thing to do, considering the alternative. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the reality is that you have a trash speech. That's well, what you it got. Just, it's and, just and, not going to move the needle with, and, and I, I think what Royal said earlier is what we should be paying attention to, is not the political junkies, not those of us who are really sure about what side we're on, but it's those in the middle who go with sort of the where the wind takes them. And I think those people see this kind of petty thing as a reason why they're above politics, even though we can understand the frustration and why, you know, people behave the way they do. Uh, to the people who are not paying close attention to every last little move, it just looks like petty fighting that why should people get involved in politics? Um, it's just easier to throw up their hands and say, I'm not going to be involved in this. Kind of almost like I'm, I'm too good for being involved in this. And when we should be trying to elevate politics um, to to be more engaging than, you know, professional sports um you know this isn't helping anybody uh, i i don't think become more engaged I, I will say the one thing that we haven't seen democrats do <clears throat> which i which actually makes me think of this is why nancy pelosi did it on not live television is because democrats have been unable to prove that we can be just as a part of, we, we now have to change the way that we look at how we fight this president going forward and 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 we and I was listening to MSNBC on the way over where everybody kind of said this reality stunt that the president pulled in the state of the union is exactly what we're going to see during this campaign and democrats have to be just as flashy going into this election why was anybody surprised uh, and that's what i'm saying but but because it's been consistent as you just pointed out the president's approval ratings are going up when he's done nothing to improve the american people it's not the fact that he is done anything. The policies aren't there. If I ask every Republican, I ask every Republican every once in a while, I say, name me a policy that this president has, that, that has, that has helped the American people. Tax cuts. Tax cuts have not helped the average right. American person. And, right. And then I say, have they helped you? And they're like, no. Well, but well, my 401k yes. is doing really And I'm really like, well, well my, not everybody part. has a 401k. So that's the argument that Democrats are just going to have to make because at the end of the day, we know that the president's policies have been unable to help the American and people. And that's what the response should have been. Sure. But, but nobody's listening to that response is the problem. Well, I th the old the old response. Nobody's well, been listening to the old response. Okay, but the response tonight 
after the State of the Union from the Democratic uh, governor of Michigan, she said, in essence, you know, I'm not going to talk about what Trump talked about. I'm just going to talk about uh, the actions. Right. And he did. And he, he, she said, I'm going to talk about the actions of Democrats. OK, that's great and all. But that doesn't move the needle on helping people see where he is lying and misleading and being deceptive. For example, he claimed, you know, tweet, anything under 2% GDP growth is, you know, a failure and should, you know, get a president tossed from the office. However, what is GDP growth for 2019? 2% or 1.8%? Okay. You know, something or 2.1 even but it's it was in the realm of what trump was like this is completely unacceptable uh so pointing out where he lies misleads and deceives over and over and over and over again trump won from saying the same thing over and over and over again it's kind of like bernie sanders and the democrats can't point that out (laughs) and and but that's the thing you have to point out sometimes the obvious truths over and over and over again. So when again. Trump says uh, unemployment level for people of color is the lowest in history, is he lying? But it's misleading. It is misleading. But it's true? Is it, it, is it that the, the number is low? The Does he get credit for it? But it goes back of the to, way that it's measured. Right. And it goes back to what I said earlier about the, the economic policies of the president. What we've seen, and it's been consistent with the George Bush tax cuts, and it's going to be consistent with the Donald Trump tax cuts if he gets reelected. We know where the end game is of Republican policies on economic policies. That's just going to be the reality. Economists have projected the end result for us based on history. So we know what's going to happen. When it comes to unemployment, the unemployment rate is based on the Obama era regulations, and we know that to be true. It is not based on the Republican tax cuts of 20 whatever 2017 damn constitutional amendment we can't have a third obama term right well yes but the reality and and, you know and but the but and and, and other than the unemployment rate being the biggest lie the other big lie that the president continues to tout uh which i don't know why people believe is the pre-existing condition uh lie you're like why would you need to protect why would you need to protect something that was already protected under the affordable care act you are protecting the american people from your own party who want to dismantle the Affordable Care Act. So you're protecting the pre-existing condition is protecting the American people from your side. Here's another, you know, misleading. He's saying wages are going up. Okay, if you look at over the last 40 years, they have been so stunted that if you look at their growth, it's been really anemic. I mean, not even, you know, Fed Chair Jay Powell can explain why is it that wage growth is going so slowly if we have such an a powerful economy. So, yes, it's growing, but if it's so pathetically growing that you take pride in it, we've got issues. So, so Christian, I think yes. what we're looking at is the State of the Union as a kickoff for the campaign. You're going to see hammered these same themes. Things are great. Unemployment is wonderful. We're strong and we're respected around the world. And it's kind of working with the public. I think the public feels America is back. America is in good shape. That's what the public opinion polls say. You have a guy who is historically unpopular. In the history of the Gallup poll, there has never been a president that didn't, for at least a day, have a majority of the public approving him. And Trump, unlike every other president, has never climbed to 51%. 
So now you're faced with a Democrat decision. Do you go with the progressives thinking, if we can't beat Trump, I mean, we've got to seize the moment, we've got to move the needle to the left, or do you recognize that increases the chance Trump is going to win? Let's go with a moderate. How do we think the Democrats are going to come out on that divide? I mean, it seems like it's death or life for them uh, in terms of choosing one or the other. Well, I think that's that's the problem, is that you have, in the Democratic Party, you have two very vocal, sizable schools of thought. Uh, It's like the Drexels and Chelsea's. I was about to say, I believe we have at this desk (laughs) two different approaches. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is someone at the desk who thinks that uh, Bernie Sanders is, is I don't want to speak well, for you. Well, Would you say that he is out of out of the Democratic candidates who are actually running, not Hillary who will eventually run, but out of the candidates <laughs> who are currently running, uh, would you say that you believe that Bernie has the best chance to beat Trump? Just sort of a simple approach. Yes, yeah. but even looking at where Drexel and I were, you know, the last election, I, what, he was like way Hillary and I was way Bernie. And now we would both be happy with Elizabeth Warren. I would. I mean, I was always a Chris Dodd guy, but you you guys could be wherever you wanted to be. You know, that's fine. But the the, the safe choice, the establishment choice of Joe Biden at this point, I think, is a guarantee loss. And look, Joe Biden had a terrible night last night. And yet he's been leading in the polls nationally. Sure, but but, but Joe Biden's been leading the polls due to name recognition. Listen, I'm not. I love Joe Biden. I think he's great. Um, I would, if he's the nominee, obviously we'd vote for Joe Biden. But, you know, at this point, based on the numbers last night, based on his speech after Iowa, I, I mean, I was texting with friends last night, like, what is the vice president even saying right now? It wasn't as bad you as know. Dean's yell, was Well, it? sure, it wasn't a, you know, but, you know, I, I think that, back to the State of the Union real quick, because, you know, we're pointing out the lies of the president. You know, it's a, it, I'm just looking at, you know, some of the, the topics from the from the speech, you know, where he talked about education. We wouldn't have to defend education if Betsy DeVos wasn't – when Republicans talk about choice and school choice, you're like, you wouldn't have to have school choice if you funded schools properly. You wouldn't have to have choice if you paid teachers properly. If you didn't have a secretary of education who literally cut the funding for teachers to be able to repay themselves back when they have to pay for students because Republican uh, Republican policies want to hurt the American family so they can't actually afford Wouldn't the, the ideal supplies. thing be to have choice and proper funding for the other schools? I think when you – but there shouldn't be a need for choice if you, if you funded – because right now the, the Republican narrative, and you heard it in tonight's speech, was government schools. Uh-huh. That is not the line. The, to, to admonish public school teachers by calling them government schools is insane to me. And I can't wait to hear what the teachers unions are going to say about that because that's exactly the route that Republicans and this president want us to go in by saying that these are schools that are run by the government instead of these are schools that are run by your local communities, their local school boards, your local teachers and your local parents. And that's exactly what's happening. Yet this government fails to fund them properly so that they can maintain the uh the, the basic necessities for their students. It would have been a great thing to go in the response to say that Trump is taking credit for being the hero of crisis he and other Republican administrations have caused. And, but to be truthful, it would have had to say, and, you know, weren't alleviated by Barack Obama. So to take on some responsibility for it, which is why I think those people in the middle who go with the wind would be more inspired by a Bernie Sanders campaign than Joe Biden. Sure, the political junkies will get out there to vote for Joe Biden, but the passion that you need, the grassroots levels that really rises up and 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 so that people who are 
sort of only halfway paying attention to politics, they're not going to be lifted in the tide to go vote unless it's a, a really impassioned um, vision and campaign. And I don't think Joe Biden will ever well, be. Well, it sounds to me like you're Biden. describing the Yang gang. I, I don't know who you're talking about, but when you're talking about passion and people who are motivated to but, get out but, there. But I just want to point out to Chelsea's point, and I, I know that Chelsea loves Senator Sanders. Um, but what we even saw in Iowa last night, a state where... Wait, we, we saw something? <laughs> it took a while. Yeah. It took us a day. Eventually. It took yeah. us a day, eventually. But what we saw in Iowa was... A an underwhelming performance from Bernie Sanders. Oh my goodness! In I terms was... of in terms of the enthusiasm for Senator Sanders, an overwhelming enthusiasm. We were, I was expecting a enormous wave of voter of new voters for Senator Sanders, and you saw and and if you looked at the numbers, the numbers from 2020 were the same numbers from 2008, were not the same numbers from 2016. We saw less voters in Iowa in right. 2020 than we did in the past two primaries. And, it, and and if Bernie Sanders was the candidate to do that, to bring a groundswell of new people out there, he didn't do it last we night. We also and had I think five candidates and I, the talking, fact that it split with Elizabeth Warren. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actually people bringing, showing, up. Showing, yeah. showing up. Because those because what ends up happening, and for those that don't know, like Iowa was, was split into two different sections. You had your first round and your second round. If Bernie Sanders or any candidate was going to be the candidate to like really just bring folks together, the the lower tier candidates would have. Well, would have but let's I mean, look. Is Iowa really representative well, of all of that. the United States? Uh, definitely not. Uh, oh, definitely not. I'm just saying that there should have been you know, for for Bernie Sanders, who did well in the last Iowa primary, he would have. He, it should have just been a better night. There's a very simple solution for Bernie Sanders. Bring Larry David in, and <laughs> he should pretend, and, and uh, you know, make up whatever you... He would do so much better. He's got him nailed. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that, you know, you brought up the biggest point about Iowa, which uh, is... What? Which is well, that was the biggest point? The biggest point other about than, Iowa other, is why are they first? Other than a gay no. male is leading the Iowa the, caucus. The biggest right point now. is that why is Iowa first? They got who up are early and got in line first. And Wait. when you see the vote totals of who's leading, it's like forty thousand votes. And and now, I know that's not a hundred percent, but that's like no that the that's that's barely enough. But I think I think you could get forty thousand votes out of this studio. I don't mean the one. You're right. It's psychological. It's just it's, momentum. And, and you're, they're and number one. It, it, and it's Iowa, and they also apparently don't know how to do it. And you know this isn't the this is what the third consecutive. This is the biggest problem, but there's been a problem the last <laughs> few caucuses. Cockeye? No, whatever the plural <laughs> of caucuses, caucuses is. Uh, there have been problems, and it's just like, yeah, wh- why do they have this right? Here's I a, mean, New Hampshire, that's another I, problem. I will, I will point out, New Hampshire has a primary. However, yeah, no, no, I know. But. but the rules of the Iowa caucus, and listen, I'm not bashing Bernie Sanders. I'm just saying the rules were made specific, changed specifically for him um, uh, the in Iowa. Was not- the app was not. However, the the results of the the results that we saw today were not based off the results from the app. They were result- based off the results from the paper trail that was provided. They did because we're about to change that in LA County. We're about to go through 11 days of voting with voting machines all over LA County uh, and all over the state. So. And we Wait, got, so we it's, have sorry, it's going to be different than the way it was, or it's still going to so be the little going ink to be, thing? So there are going to be voting centers all over L.A. County for 11 days from February 28th, or February 22nd through March 3rd, where you can go anywhere in the city and vote. 
at, 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 or either go to your polling station or go to your voting center or you can vote by mail. Mm, so so they're going to be said anywhere. I thought you meant that I was going to be able to vote it in and out <laughs> no, you know, no, no. while I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah, because no, that, but, that seems like a way wow. to go. Wow. No, no. I'm just saying, like, while you're waiting, because it's going to take forever. That Let's vote. Is- that's a good call. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I but mean, only if they offered impossible. Well, workers. they they don't. Uh, that should be the reward if you vote. <laughs> you Some get, sort of in and out. Some kind of, yeah, exactly. You get a little voucher. Uh, so I think that uh, obviously, you know, Iowa. Uh, They're they, oh, oh, not ready for the sorry, show. Sorry, they're not what, ready what, for my, the big time. My point with that, of that is, we should be eliminating the caucus system. Yeah, we should. Everything should be going to primary. The caucus system. Bernie Sanders in the last election pushed for the caucus system. Not only did he push for the caucus system, we they changed the oh, caucus. Blame it they on changed, Bernie. I'm course. not blaming Bernie. I'm just saying they changed the caucus rules because of some of the problematic things that happened in 2016. Understandably so. The problem is is that those rule changes that the Sanders campaign put forth uh, or helped develop. Oh, I can't wait for this next uh, sentence. Certainly uh, did not help Senator Sanders in this Iowa caucus. In what way In what way do you think it didn't help him? I, I'm not quite uh, sure what uh, the rules were. Well, I think what happened was, because I said, you know, it was split into two different, the first tier candidates, so Bernie Sanders, I think, went into some caucus with like 40%. Right. Uh, and then the next tier person was like Pete Buttigieg's like 20%. Right. And in a lot of precincts. And then what happened is, is that everybody that did not make that section, you saw it in the numbers, ended up moving over to to the Klobuchar's, to the Warrens, to the Buttigieg's, I mean, to the Buttigieg's, because that's how the system worked for them. Instead of moving into Bernie Sanders, they moved into the other changes areas. that Bernie wanted related to transparency and things of that nature. Sure, so. and they got the, and they got certainly got the transparency, and we kind of saw the raw numbers. What I'm saying is, is that the caucus system itself that Senator Sanders was pushing for certainly is not working. And he's pushing for I'm like, so impressed like that you got new... Buttigieg out with a plural there. I don't think anybody the else has tried Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Yeah. That's what was and There were a couple of initiatives, I thought, that were interesting in the State of the Union. One was uh, Melania's Be Best, which has always really annoyed me. Be Best. You know, I think so Congress should Scott pass... Brown just said Be Best in there. Yeah. 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 Congress should pass a law authorizing funding of the word the to yeah. stick it in to be, to be the, the best. best. So the second initiative... That would let's be go a trillion dollars, Royal. You yeah. ready? You ready for that? <laughs> They'll have to take money from the trillion dollar, trillion tree Space program. Force. Well, that's what the oh, other one I want to talk no, about. No, no, no. No money comes from I want to oh, talk about so the Mars trillion trees. Here. Now, oh, we yeah. heard a negative comment about the initiative going to Mars and planting our flag on the, on the uh, surface of Mars. Uh, now, of course we have social problems here, but what about when John Kennedy in 1961 said, we're going to go to the moon by the end of the decade? Now, we had even worse problems, worse poverty by far back in 1960, and yet we did it, so why not spend a little money to go up to Mars? Uh, Can you actually plant a flag on the surface of Mars? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know that you're actually going to be able to get it. Trump to had so up. many guests tonight. I think were, he, well, yeah, he should have had from Mars Attacks one of the little Ak Ak guys. <laughs> that would have been. Uh, Jesse, that would have been a Jesse, Jesse Torres in the chat asked, "Is isn't Iowa the only state with the caucus system?" No, actually, Nevada, Nevada, Nevada has one. I will be in oh. Nevada. Oh, helping yeah. out the Nevada Democrats. Nevada, with their which is caucus. also using the same app as Iowa. They are not using that app anymore. <laughs> no. They will not be using oh, that amazingly. app anymore. And all of a sudden, Nevada got Democrats. Re- retired. Well, look, I think when if you're going to change if you're going to change the rules of a caucus system and you're going to add an app, like too much new yeah. in oh, one new thing. That is not the problem. What I'm saying is it's it's too much for people. Oh, that was not the problem. And and the problem was not the app, unfortunately. The the, the app just did not relay the results fast enough right. and then people had to call in. The app actually tabulated the correct result. 
results, and, and that's from the state party. What the problem was is that they could not get the results in fast enough. And, and there was problems with getting the results in fast enough. So while everybody's blaming the apps for the... the, well, the wait, hold on a second. They put out a statement saying it was the app. They, they put out a statement saying that they needed to reconfirm certain things right. and that they were slow, they, they were slow results coming in. Uh, okay, and that was a different headline than I read. Yeah, that's Is because, the real that's headline? The article said... It was the app. Is the real headline of Iowa, if Biden is just drifting away, it's all Bloomberg. Why can't Bloomberg, with his billions, move into the moderate gap? Because Klobuchar is not exciting people. Buttigieg, let's face it, is kind of a long shot in a mayor of South Bend. Why why wouldn't people rally around Mm -hmm. Bloomberg? Well, I think that, uh, you know, with Biden, it'll be much more telling. I would say New Hampshire is probably a better indication. And then South Carolina, he's he's big down there. uh, But, I mean, the the you know look it, there's never been the fire for Joe Biden and you know we've talked a lot about that on the show and the idea that he's finishing fourth is or at least the indication is and nobody's finished anything yet but the idea that he might be fourth is uh, obviously, that's uh, but it, it, he can overcome it very easily uh, even before Super Tuesday. But you're right, Bloomberg. What a great thing to sit out the Iowa caucus in particular because. We had four victory speeches last night. Four mm-hmm. people all said that they won. <laughs> well, they weren't victory right. speeches. I know. Nobody said I know they won. That, but I mean, Mayor Pete said, uh, you shocked the nation. So yeah. he didn't actually say you shocked them by Who's voting for me. But, you know, they all gave a, a celebratory feel to what they were saying. So they no, no one actually proclaimed victory. But you had the four speeches, and it's like, yeah, that's fine. Sure. So anybody who saw their candidate speak that night, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we had a good night. And, and, and I get this question a lot about about Mike Bloomberg and Tom Steyer and some of these billionaires, the, the party is not, by, by party I mean the party electorate, the primary voters, are not interested in a billionaire class. And Bernie Sanders has done a really great job of, of really making billionaires the villain. Uh, oh, I think it, Elizabeth Warren has done Elizabeth it better Warren, than Bernie. No, Elizabeth Warren. Billionaire War- pops up in virtually every sentence sure. she utters. But it's not in a, it's not in a way to because Elizabeth Warren has is a self-proclaimed capitalist as well. So right. like she's not going to admonish billionaires in the What's way that, wrong with in her? the in the way that Senator Sanders would make right. them out to be um uh, you know a villain. The but the electorate is not interested in a billionaire leading the party. Particularly particularly a billionaire who is not a, who has, is not and has not been a member of the party. For us to go after Bernie Sanders and say, Senator Sanders has not been a member of this party, and then to come back around and say that Mike Bloomberg, who certainly has not been a member yeah. of this party, of course, it's to I- bring them in ironic. would be hypocritical. It's ironic the, that Donald Trump is a billionaire who wasn't really a Republican for decades, and look, he's he's incredibly popular, 93% among Republicans. 93% yeah. that of the GOP more, But that says him. more about the Republican Party itself than it does about Donald Trump. If Donald, Donald Trump is just flaming the flame, like being the reality television, flaming the flames of the problems of the Republican Party of, and where they are on issues that matter uh, than it is about Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't care about school choice. Donald Trump doesn't care about immigration. Donald Trump doesn't care about criminal justice reform, even though he touted it tonight. Like, he doesn't care about that stuff. Is there a no, case? No, he only cares that the chicken sandwich is back at Popeye's. <laughs> I mean, that's the important issue that I think he took away from 2019. What were you going to say, Rob? Is there a case for Elizabeth Warren being the big loser, not only out of oh, Iowa, geez. but in general? I mean, ever since she came out and actually put a fine point on the cost of, of her health care program and 
180 million people losing their insurance. Uh, she has been sinking like a rock. She went on Stephen Colbert of, of all places, and he was grilling her. Well, how are you going to tag? How are you going to pay for this, Liz? Well, it's going to even out. No, really, tell me how are you going to. I mean, it, it, plus there's the likability factor, which if you raise it, you're attacked as a sexist. But I mean, Hil- Hillary had a likability factor among the general electorate. Do we really think that Liz has a path to victory, given the fact that she you know, was third in Iowa? Look, I don't think there's a likability problem with someone who appears to be so uncomfortable sharing a beer with her husband and <laughs> pretending to be surprised that he wandered into the kitchen when she was on Instagram. I loved that video. No, I think we all did. Yeah. I think that's where we all realized that... Uh, is she even human? Uh, <laughs> because I don't, know, I don't know if she's capable of emotions. But, uh, you know, I, I look, I don't think that uh, her campaign was expecting. I don't know. May, tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think that they were expecting to have a, a big night in Iowa. I, I don't know what they're in it for at this point. I mean, I don't I, I don't think that they're convinced that they have a, a real path to the I nomination. Think the, I think the problem that Elizabeth Warren, the trap that Elizabeth Warren fell into was trying to appease too many people on one issue and that was Medicare Uh, I'm sorry Medicare for all that should not have been her defining issue and that became we agree that became the issue that surround that engulfed her and then that tied her to a more un I, again, I'm not bashing Bernie, but like to to more centrist and moderate Democrats, where everybody was like, "Oh, I like Elizabeth Warren," and then she like latched onto this like one. It was like a it was like the last Horcrux of like Voldemort, like it just, that just needed to fly away. <laughs> like like she, then, she, then it got latched onto her. It was like it was like the scar. It was like right. Harry's scar got latched onto her. That was Medicare for all. They got latched on Elizabeth Warren. And now it won't go away until the end of book seven. And I like then, it better when soon, you talk about Star Trek. But yes, right. and then it is soon, a valid point. It, and then soon it will hopefully go away. Yeah. And I think that's what she was hoping to do. Yeah. The, the the thing about it is, and you heard Bernie Sanders say it last night, where he said uh, there will be, during his speech in Iowa, he said there will be a modest tax. On the one percent, that is a change from what Bernie Sanders has said about taxing the upper the uh, the, the the billionaires in the country. To change the the the, the line from taxing the rich right. to a modest tax, while not at the same time saying, but 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 asterisks, but they there will be a modest tax on the middle class is where Elizabeth Warren probably should have swooped in and said, yes, there will be a tax on the middle class because of X, Y, and Z, because you will be paying less in taxes. I mean, you will be paying less in your medical bills and more in your taxes, and I'm pretty sure Chelsea would agree that that is the line that Bernie Sanders probably has been saying, but nobody's listening to because he has failed to say. Right. So we do only have two minutes, and I want to make sure to uh, get to a very important point. (laughs) Uh, So, Drexel, I think it's safe to say that you feel that a moderate voice is uh, the better path towards victory for Democrats. Is that no, a f- I said I like Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren. No, I mean, listen, I like Elizabeth Warren. I would, I, you know, somebody, my, I was talking to somebody earlier and I said, well, if Elizabeth drops out, who would you go through next? And I said, well, I'd probably go to Pete because Pete, I actually align more with Pete sure. than I do with Elizabeth. Uh, I just think that in the grand scheme of things, I think Elizabeth Warren has a far better grasp on leading uh, the nation a little bit better. And, you know, I always say, listen, it takes a woman to lead, uh, as I did in 2016, as I will say in 2020. Right. Um, and, you know, like I said, women and gays lead the nation. And uh, <laughs> and so uh, that's kind of like where uh, where I am. But, I mean, the party's going to decide soon. Biden may pick Michelle Obama as his running I don't. I he he might pick her, but that doesn't Although, mean she's going to... Governor Whitmer, and I always, I was telling Tim, my husband tonight, I said, when you do a rebuttal, to the State of the Union, that is an audition. 
for what is coming next. And, and I thought, Gretchen, I, I thought I said she could be a VP. Mm-hmm. A VP. A VP. Uh, so then my, my question was, is, if you're both reason. you're both sort of leaning towards the, the further uh, left candidate, do you feel, let me ask you first, Chelsea, uh, again, we have limited time. Does is a moderate candidate? It doesn't. I'm not even going to specify which one. Not necessarily Joe Biden, but would a moderate <laughs> candidate be able to beat uh, Trump in November? A moderate candidate would not be able to beat Donald Trump. Uh, I I feel that uh, I, I'm inclined to agree with that statement. But uh, give me one reason, brief reason, why you feel like that it, that would be the case. Not enough passion to get enough people w- to the polls. What do you think, Drexel? I think a moderate will be able to beat Donald Trump with a VP candidate next to them that will balance them out. Uh, would it be Hillary Clinton as Absolutely a VP? Okay. No. I would be nervous if I if I if I was the the, the number one mistake of Hillary Clinton was picking Tim Kaine, and that should have never been the that well, should have never been the VP. Number one candidate. mistake. Mm, Open convention: there. Nancy Pelosi and Hillary mud wrestling for the nomination. Adam well, Schiff. I'm predicting Adam Schiff swooping in at the last at the last. No, second. there's a likability. Yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah, there is a likability problem. Uh, well, Royal, as our as our guest, uh, what are your thoughts for you? You survey this uh, this demo. Democratic field, we feel pretty confident, uh, even though I insist on this show every week that Hillary will still get in before you know it. But, you know, as I said, Super Tuesday is when I'm going to start to think that maybe she isn't, but I still won't be convinced. But out of the uh, available options that Democrats are presenting, who do you feel is like, matches up well or does anyone match up well with Trump where you feel like yeah they have a good chance that they would be able to beat him Biden I respectfully disagree with the theory about energizing the base I think Trump's base is going to be energized because he's been under assault impeachment and so on I think for the Democrats the worst nightmare for Trump is Biden because the farther you go left on the spectrum the more people in the middle are going to say I just I'm not going to vote a socialist the likability and so on so I, I think the, the closer to the middle the Democrats get uh, the better they are and the more likely they are to beat Trump. Yeah, I mean, I agreed with the idea that uh, a moderate uh, can't beat Trump. I don't know that a far-left candidate uh, can beat him either. I don't see anyone That's why Elizabeth him. Warren is almost like the perfect she of the is. Goldilocks. And she if only shift. she were likable. But she will, you know. <laughs> My goodness it, gracious. I know, I mean, this the, the idea that, the, the, that women are... Uh, no, no, the women, <laughs> women are likable. I, I told, I told you say, I'd be attacked. No, 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 I didn't say... What I'm saying is that is that we have... Elizabeth Warren is and one Trump of the like- most likable people. The problem, the reason why she's not likable is because she has been out there literally saying what everybody has wanted her to say since she took over how can you the, not the like Consumer a, Financial Protection Bureau. How can you not like a guy who calls himself a very stable genius? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you want him over for Sunday dinner? <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, I don't know if he would if he would come to my house for Sunday <laughs> dinner. I mean, when you see I would what hope he, when not. you see what he serves championship teams, uh, <laughs> you know. But uh, look, uh, I think uh, it'll be interesting to watch in these uh, primaries in, in the weeks ahead, which we will of course be covering here at the show. Just two quick shout outs from the chat. Uh, our Scott Brown uh, says Mayor Pete and Kamal Harris, Jesse Torres, uh, Sanders Castro, uh, Fidel. No, no, no. He's no longer. That's with exactly us. how Trump would. Well, would, would yeah, like, of course. It, too. Ca- yeah. it would be a- so. Ca- so Castro, Castro. Right. Yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, I think. Uh, uh, and our Scott Brown. I know we have to go. Uh, also says, what male candidate has a likability problem? Uh, I, I would say probably all of them uh, have. You know, uh, Bernie yells a lot. 
Biden Chris kissed his granddaughter on the mouth the other day. That's just creepy. You know, uh, Mayor Pete's probably just when you watch him talk, like, oh, he's probably the most likable. I said but he was it, a Manchurian candidate. It really comes show. down to the Yang gang. Who's more likable <laughs> than uh, – Anyway, uh, we are out of time, but thanks so much to everybody who stayed up late. Uh, if we do the show this late all the time, it looks like we get more people. In any case, uh, <laughs> thank you uh, so much to our guest, Royal Oaks, KNBC TV legal analyst. And again, the podcast is Too Many Lawyers. If the downloads aren't high enough, I won't be able to feed our new puppy. So, <laughs> well, there you go. And of course, uh, BBC and NPR political analyst and the executive director of the LA County Democratic Party, Drexel Hurd. Thank you. Thank you. Chelsea Galicia, who you'll be with us next week. Hopefully, yeah. Okay, so we'll probably get one more show with Chelsea as an unmarried woman. Oh, my and goodness. And after that, look out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ. Uh, you will find us next Wednesday at 4 o'clock because uh, we want to be able to talk about the New Hampshire primary. So look for us Wednesday. Thanks so much, everybody, and have a good night. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 